This program is brought to you by Stanford on iTunes U at Stanford University. Please visit us at itunes.stanford.edu. Do the varied reporting requirements of grant makers take time away from the primary work of operating nonprofits, or do they contribute to enhancing their mission delivery? This is the question the Center for Social Innovation explores in this panel discussion from the 2006 GEO Conference from the Conversations Network's Social Innovation Channel. Hi, this is Elena Connor Snibby. And I'm Eric Nee. We are your hosts on Social Innovation Conversations. Today we're excited to bring you another presentation from the Center for Social Innovation in the Stanford Discussions series. The Center for Social Innovation is a growing community of leaders committed to a just, prosperous, and sustainable world. The Center offers leadership development programs and publishes our award-winning quarterly journal, the Stanford Social Innovation Review. Registered members of the Conversations Network receive a wide variety of benefits. For free membership or to help support our efforts through your donations, visit conversationsnetwork.org. Our audio content is delivered by Limelight Networks, taking the cost and complexity out of Internet distribution on the web at limelightnetworks.com. And now, here's our presentation from the Center for Social Innovation. I'm Perla Nee. I'm the publisher of the Stanford Social Innovation Review. Uh, let me start by introducing my colleague, Denise Gamble. Uh, she's the head researcher with the SPEN Project, uh, which is also funded by the Center for Social Innovation at Stanford. She holds um, a PhD in political and social sciences from Cambridge University. And previous to this, she did political um, as well as public relations consulting. And she's on the board of the Stanford Arboretum Children's Center. I think we're going to start by asking Denise, first of all, to kick it off with um, an overview of the landscape on evaluation practices and multiple uh, evaluation accountabilities to multiple funders uh, with a presentation from her re latest research. Good morning, and I want to reiterate our thanks for showing up bright and early on a Friday morning, um, hopefully to engage in a really active discussion with us about um, the challenges nonprofits face in reporting to multiple grant makers. My goal this morning is to share with you uh, data from the Stanford study on the management of nonprofits um, to help frame the discussion with some of the information that, that, um, that we have found. The Stanford project is working on national IRS data from the, the, the entire population of nonprofits in this country, but I think what's really unique and useful to our discussion this morning is that we've developed primary data through extensive interviews with a randomly selected representative sample of 200 operating organizations and their leaders in the San Francisco Bay Area. And so I'm going to share a lot of their voices today. The project is focused on the management of nonprofits, and we particularly look at the way that management ideas circulate in the sector, to the sector, are developed, adopted, adapted, rejected. Um, and and a lot of the talk about how nonprofits should be managed, and one of these, of course, is one of these critical issues is accountability and evaluation. So let me start with a story. Um, this is a small violence prevention nonprofit in one of our more rural counties. It's very typical of nonprofits in the Bay Area and in the U.S. Its budget is between $100,000 and $200,000 a year. Um, it's staffed by its founder with a half-time assistant, so it's very typical in that sense as well. 
And her question in thinking about this is how do you measure the absence of violence? How do you address, as we've heard from a number of other organizations, engage in prevention, getting at root causes? How do you show results when you're working on prevention? How do you measure the absence of anything? And so she said, for us, success is people having a good experience. Do they feel more confident, less anxious? The letters we get from people, that's the meaningful evaluation. So she has stories like the mother who had come to one of her workshops and developed an emergency plan with her children and her youngest got separated from her at the mall and they were quickly and safely reunited and she felt like that is what enabled her family to be in this great situation in, in, when that happened. She says, grant reporting takes resources away from our services. All these things we have to do for grant reporting, that everybody fills out something at the end of a workshop and then that we have to track them down three months later and ask them again, are a big waste of time and paper. Two years later, she got a grant from a Bay Area Foundation who doesn't normally fund them, specifically to develop appropriate evaluation for her organization. And she's become a total convert. She now sees tremendous benefits to the value of effective evaluation and says that it's not only helping her with her programs, but really helping her articulate what they do and how effectively they do it to potential um, grant makers. I think the point that this illustrates, so my first point today, is that good evaluation is difficult. It is rocket science. Most people that are you know, grassroots activists and eventually found organizations, most employees at, at um, sorry, at, at nonprofits, most employees, Evaluation and how to do it well is not in their skill set. Um, it's not in their expertise. And I dare say for most foundation employees, it isn't either. And so that's a real challenge in the, um, in the first instance. We certainly hear um, a lot of good examples from nonprofits about their evaluation practices and their evaluation relationships with their grant makers. We ask the question, first of all, how do you measure success in your organization for your programs? How do you define it and how do you measure it? And would get sometimes people that hadn't thought about it and fluffed through an answer, but most often very thoughtful um, answers out of their experience, some very sophisticated responses. And then we followed up with a series of questions about how many of you report to grant makers, foundations or government? How do their, what are their requirements like? How do they differ from your own? And we found that many of our nonprofits, I would say the majority of them, um, felt that even when there were benefits and positive experiences, that there were also a lot of difficulty that they were having in responding to these uh, requirements. And here's a couple of typical responses. The funder has a set evaluation tool that we are required to use that gives us absolutely no program feedback whatsoever. So to them, it was a complete waste of time. It wasn't helping them evaluate what they do and whether they should make course corrections, how could they improve what they're doing. Another typical response, uh, this from a transitional housing organization, every single grantor we have has a different evaluation tool or format or criteria they want us to use and we measure all of them. Once you get it down, it changes and they want different information than before. Every year more and more time goes into the reporting and less time to actually working with people. And then finally, from a low-income legal services organization, it's the detail of the report that's unnecessary. One funder wants zip codes on all 6,000 of our clients and everything about them. All that reported for a $16,000 grant. This is out of a $2 million budget. He goes on, we need to improve our software and spend maybe $150,000, maybe hire a staffer, which we don't have. And so I think the way that, that we saw these sort of three key themes that were running through the challenges they were expressing, 
were first appropriateness, are the right questions being asked to aid assessment and improvement toward outcomes, or is it just output counting? Are we working together and on the same page in trying to reach this similar goal of the outcomes we talked about, and are we helping, are the foundations helping to do that? Second issue, proportionality. Do the requirements match the level of the grant? Should you have to jump through those kind of hoops for a $16,000 um, grant? Are you as a foundation requiring of a $2,500 grantee the same things that you require of a $25,000 grantee or $250,000 grantee? Because many foundations have a wide range um, in their grant making. I mean, if you give somebody money to buy a car to deliver Meals on Wheels, what is there to say but we bought the car and we can meet, you know, the needs of this many people? And finally, multiplicity. Do the onerous and often conflicting demands of multiple funders take away from program resources? So I think we found that grantees are not at all opposed to accountability. They're thirsty for how to do it better themselves, but how can standards be developed that make sense to both parties? Um, to give you some background, so we use the IRS data to develop a um, regional, state level, and national level profile of what the nonprofit sector looks like. And I've put an example of the report on our, your tables. It's available for download. And these are some of the major things we found in terms of what is nonprofit capacity. Nonprofits are overwhelmingly small. 53% have budgets below $200,000. The median organization in the Bay Area is $184,000 a year. And uh, the median for the U.S. is in the low 160s. In L.A., it's 143. I mean, these are not large organizations. The largest 1% account for 88% of the sector's budget. They mobilize tremendous resources and volunteers. 26% of the organizations in our sample are purely volunteer-based. Among all the organizations in our sample, 85% rely on volunteers and both you know, numbers from 2 to 2,000 a year, often thousands of hours of time committed. Among our organizations, 74% have paid staff, but only 31% of these have a paid fundraiser or fundraising team, and median staffing, the typical staffing, is 2.4 full-time equivalents. I think besides the, the size of nonprofits, and I should mention that this is across a study that looked at the full breadth of activity and the full breadth of, of size, which is, I think, fairly unusual in research, Age is also an issue. Fully 45% of the Bay Area operating charities had been founded in the last 10 years, and this is also quite typical across the, um, right, across the country. So how can nonprofits mobilize the resources and build their capacity to increase their accountability through transparency and evaluation? There's a lot of pressure right now to um, increase accountability. If you look at this quick little graph, you look at how much uh, published articles in the popular press and the media have gone up about nonprofits and accountability. It's been tremendous between 1990, where there were only a handful of articles, till, um, till now. And most of you are probably aware that there's been a lot of talk in legislative circles at the state level, certainly in California and New York, uh, very famously, and, and um, new legislation that's been re recently passed by the Senate. The panel in the nonprofit sector, convened by independent sector, made recommendations to Congress, and this is one of their statements. Every charitable organization should, as a recommended practice, provide detailed information about its programs, including methods it uses to evaluate the outcomes of its programs, and other statements available to the public through its annual report, website, and other means. There's a lot of assumptions about capacity in that statement that we'll get to in just a moment. But I think it also raises another issue about 
what is accountability? And evaluation to grant makers is only one small piece of the demands on nonprofits to be accountable. So accountability to whom? It's not just funders, it's to society, to the public benefit that they have that exemption to be working toward, uh, to their clients or to their causes, and to government as, it's, as the, the regulator of, this, um, of the, the 501c3 of, of the sector. It's also what kinds of accountability. It's not just about evaluation for mission and programs, legal accountability, fiscal accountability, governments. There's a, a, tall, um, a tall order here. So what are nonprofits doing in terms of their accountability practices? Fiscal, 50% commission in independ annual independent um, financial audit. That's very highly correlated with if they get government grant making. And I think um, grant makers, um, philanthropic grant makers also uh, are requiring that more and more often. We see a high correlation there as well. In governance, only 37% of the nonprofits in our sample have an audit committee. That's going to have to change, and it's, it's going to be legislated to change, I think. 49% um, of executive directors communicate weekly or more with the board chair, and we find that, that another high percentage um, talk with them multiple times in a month. So there is a lot of communication between staff and boards. Um, legally, nearly 100% file the annual IRS Form 990, and many are complying with other um, licensing and regulatory uh, requirements. And when it comes to missions, 60% in our sample collect quantitative program data, and 53% of them are now using some sort of formal evaluation instrument, whether that's a survey or other tool. What are they doing to make these practices and their results more transparent? Well, the IRS Form 990, through no fault of the nonprofits, is publicly available on GuideStar. I was amazed by how many of our respondents had no clue that they had to give their 990 information to people if asked. They weren't posting it. They had no idea that I had it and were a bit horrified if they realized. So we quickly learned to not really uh, share that. Um, only 32% are publishing an annual report that gets distributed beyond their board that goes to constituents, stakeholders. 65% of those that fundraise are doing grant reporting. And there's a lot of talk about cyber accountability and how the web can be harnessed to increase transparency for nonprofits, but only 27% of organizations nationally have been estimated to have websites. In the Bay Area, it's 76%, but I think there's a Silicon Valley effect that they all feel they have to. Many of them haven't even updated it since it was launched in 2001 or 2002, and they certainly aren't using it for transparency. Um, but 44% of those that do list board members, so they talk about their governments governance, and 22% list who they're getting their funding from, but fewer sharing audits, strategic plans, or their IRS forms. So I want to leave you with um, some possible solutions that have been talked about by our respondents as well as others we've talked to. Is it possible to create common application and reporting mechanisms? This has been done successfully in Santa Barbara in the arts community. We're seeing grant programs specifically to give organizations grants to get expert help to develop evaluation. We're seeing grants including a percentage of the budget for evaluation or where the funder actually provides consultants to work with all their grantees. Um, can we ensure that expectations are appropriate to the grant amount and the grantees' capabilities? So if you're trying to grant to small community organizations or um, maybe young new nonprofits that have been grassroots and you want to help raise them to the next level, part of that may be having to work with them on these practices as opposed to just giving them program support or operating support. Um, 
Improved grantor-grantee communication. There's a couple of wonderful pieces on this. Um, the Ed McConnell Clark Foundation case, which is available through Harvard Business School, and some of the work done by the Center for Effective Philanthropy. And a final one, make multi-year grant commitments, where you're developing a relationship of trust. There's more ability to talk and, and actually work together to be a partner with an organization in reaching the impact that they want to reach. So, what are the consequences of this growing focus on accountability, and um, what are the costs and benefits to nonprofits? Thank you. You've been listening to a presentation from the Center for Social Innovation at Stanford. For additional practical and provocative ideas, check out the Center's award-winning publication, the Stanford Social Innovation Review, at www.ssireview.org. Registered members of the Conversations Network receive a wide variety of benefits. For free membership or to help support our efforts through your donations, visit conversationsnetwork.org. Our audio content is delivered by Limelight Networks, taking the cost and complexity out of Internet distribution on the web at limelightnetworks.com. The post-production audio engineer for this program was Stephen Eng. Our website editor was Bernadette Clavier. The series producer is Bernadette Clavier. My name is Eric Nee, and I hope you'll be joining us next time for another presentation from the Center for Social Innovation. Thanks for listening. The preceding program was brought to you by Stanford on iTunes U and is copyrighted by the Board of Trustees of the Leland Stanford Junior University. Please visit us at itunes.stanford.edu.